0: what the heck's your source for Warhammer Underworlds in under 30 degrees below zero. With me I have, as usual, my frosty but distant co-host, Phil. How are you, Phil? Feeling frosty and distant. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, we are coming to you to talk about the Force of Frost Universal Rivals deck, also in the Death Gorge box set. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is amazing how much trouble I have remembering that name. I think it's because I keep on, <laughs> I keep on like looking for it to have some cold aspect in its name, and it's just mm, not there. Would make sense. Yeah, this will be the last of our deep dives. After this, you should see us going back to our uh, biweekly release schedule, and we will uh, we'll go from there. Uh, for context, it's the thirtieth of October. There is nothing new to mention as far as uh, important underworlds info. Um, but lots of fun stuff as the US is starting to get its copies of Death Gorge. It'll be fun to start seeing that in the wild. Um, not quite for our uh, November eleventh tournament. We it won't be out long enough by our standards to uh, to allow it, and we don't want uh, some disparity with folks who have access to it early. Um, so we'll we'll consider that a harrow deep goodbye uh, event. But uh, absolutely. Yeah, we are going to talk to you about Force of Frost. We're going to talk, uh, same as we did with um, Breakneck Slaughter. We're going to talk styles, how to approach it, some good pairings, some championship considerations. Uh, And as usual, we will not cover every single card in this audio content. If you want that, we do have it on the blog. Uh, we're going to call out some highlights or ones that we think make for interesting conversation. Um, you can call that our favorites or you can call it the things we enjoy talking about, whatever you want to do um, on the subject of debating uh, the, our community shout outs this week are two articles from two different uh, entities. We've got spent glory did a uh, warhammer underworld is great. And the ping meta is fine. And we <laughs> have, <laughs> we have uh path to glory, uh, nine Lives to look at the current state of the ping meta, and this is two kind of different takes on a topic which is pretty hotly debated uh, online, especially by the most passionate members of the community. Yeah, um, and uh, I, I think we're going to touch on it a little bit today, just as we talk through some of these cards. It is a, th- it's a thing where like it's a it, uh, it's an issue that becomes more pronounced the more dedicated you are to like the more invested you are in the game, you know, the more you're making that
1: absolute maximized build, I think. Uh, Um, Yeah. So I agree. And I think like you said, we'll have to talk about it because there's at least one card in here that demands it, but. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, But that's
0: it. Uh, As usual with these deep dives, we're going to keep the uh, intro pretty short and launch into our, our topic here. Uh, so main topic force of frost. Can you reach back now that we're on our last deep dive? Can you reach back and think of your first impression of this deck when you first saw it, man, uh, what were you thinking? Uh, what
1: almost two months ago now? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was pretty excited about the concept. Um, just thinking like, Ooh, what are they going to do with like an ice mechanic? mmm and then I started looking at the cards and I was like, this is just another magic deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like, I don't know, tempered my expectations a little bit because I was like, man, did I don't think we needed another uh, mage deck. We have Seismic Shock and we've got two very powerful mage warbands and it's kind of like, ooh, I don't know. Uh, mm. But I was pleasantly surprised. It's, it is it is a different take on, you know, what we've seen from magic in the past. And, um, yeah, I, I was, uh, pleasantly surprised. I, I really got my sort of wheels turning on like, Ooh, what, what are different things we could do with this deck? Um, mm-hmm. how about you? Yeah, I think, I think
0: one of my first impressions was surprised that it didn't, did not have a plot card. I think, on the surface, if I just looked at the names of the two decks, I would yeah. assume that this one had a plot card, but no, uh, it does have a little bit of an ice counter mechanic uh, that probably represents, I don't know, uh, I'm just throwing something out here, but like 25% of the cards, if that reference y- yeah. ice counters in some way, it's r- roughly somewhere in there. Um, and then, and then the rest uh, dabble in a in a few different areas. We'll talk about that as we get into it. There's some parts of it that feel like kind of all over the place, and that's especially in the objectives where I was like, whoa, I don't you know, because you we we always end up reading through the objectives first. And so as I read through there, I was like, I am what is this deck? I'm not I'm not <laughs> what, sure what, what are the, we doing here. Yeah, what is the <laughs> goal of this? Um, not that they were bad. it was just. You know, like if you think of, if you think all the way back to the silent menace, like, wow, this is all over the place and it is, and some of them are atrocious. This is yeah. like, there's a lot of different things happening here, but a number of them are like pretty reasonable. It's just hard to do all the different things yeah. Um, if you're looking at the objectives. So I, I think, uh, my first impression was, uh, the, the things you're reaching for on this deck, if you're reaching for it, it's because there's something in the power cards that are particularly interesting to you. especially
1: in a in a nemesis pairing i would say yeah i think that's especially true in nemesis i i think you could probably kind of just be like hey i'm gonna roll with it and just take all the cards and just make it work but (laughs) you you would be getting thrown kind of like some whiplash here where it's like oh i'm very much changing strategies depending on which hand i have um which would be a little odd but the power cards are certainly more consistent in the game plan and do a lot of things that we haven't really seen before. So, yeah, should be yeah. some fun stuff to talk about. I agree. Uh, I th- I think we
0: can jump right in. Do you want to talk objectives right away here? Um, yeah. We kind of alluded how they're, they're a little scattershot. So let's, let's dig into that a little bit. Um, before we talk specific cards, I'll just kind of summarize where we've got I don't know, I'd say like three are sort of positioning related. There's two or three that are aggro related and these have some overlap. There's uh, two that are magic related and one that's like this uh, winter's hunger is about as pure a control card. Like I'm just going to score this without interaction. Um, yeah. And then, uh, and then like some hold, you know, when I say positioning, I was talking about like, uh, cold of the void or, or something like that but there's glacial cool and stranglehold which care about holding objectives and like that that's a pretty <laughs> that's a pretty broad spread of just about everything that you do in underworlds so yeah um i kind of think this had to be intentional um if you look at some of the elements in the rest of the deck there's a lot of control there and if they made like a hyper control objective set uh
1: might make for a negative play experience I think that is certainly a possibility. Um, I also feel like because this was the deck that didn't get the plot lock, it almost seems like they used this deck to sort of seed a whole bunch of new Mm -hmm. universal cards where they were like, Hey, here's some extra tools that like one or two of these cards could go in a handful of different decks. And because it's not plot locked, that's an option. Yeah. Sure. Um, which would be interesting if they do that going forward. I, I wouldn't actually be too upset about that. Um yeah. it it makes maybe the decks a little weaker for Nemesis, but that's okay. Uh mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean so there's enough here that like if you only have to take four or five of these for your nemesis pairing, that's probably good enough, right? Right. Yeah, and like I said, like there's most of these, not
0: all of them, but most of these, if they fit into your game plan or, or can be a solid part of your game plan, yeah. uh, there, it's just hard to have a game plan that includes all of these. So, Very much um, so. but that, that being said, why, why don't we, uh, pick out a couple, uh, standouts or, or conversational points? What is there one that you wanted to talk about?
1: Yeah. So, well, there's a handful, but I think the one that sort of first Maybe jumps out when you're looking through these initially, um, especially what if you like see that this deck does have spells in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this card? That's a surge called Bitter Storm. Mm, yeah, and uh, the art kind of tells you everything you need to know. But <laughs> uh, this is a score immediately after your Warband casts its fourth or subsequent spell in the same phase for two glory. Yeah. And for
0: folks who are newer to the game, when they say cast in this context, they're talking successfully
1: cast. That's not attempted to cast. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Underworlds always assumes cast means it was successful. And I believe the rulebook clarifies that. It it does. Yeah. But it's an easy one to miss. Mm -hmm. This would be great. I think if you if you just took this deck, set it on its own and were like, hey, Wizard Warbands, how great is this to have to be able to slot into your decks? Yeah, everybody would be like, "Woo, awesome!" <laughs> and then you got you got two warbands that are spoiling the party for everybody <laughs> uh, with Damitan, Storm Stormcoven and Ephlames both being like, "Yes, please, I will take <laughs> another two Glory End Phase for doing exactly the same things that I want to always be doing." Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the I think we
0: both see this card, Bitter Storm, with uh, Storm Sire looking all macho on the on the art, and think uh, you can't help but think back to some of the the builds that were ultra passive Cursebreaker builds where they yeah. stood at the back and cast spells uh, really far away from you that didn't do very much but didn't put them at risk. Um, I and so the first thought is, uh oh, like is that is that around? now is that is that possible um and i you know the answer is maybe but it, i don't think it's certainly with the card pool it doesn't feel as
1: bad as it was at its worst um yeah, yeah. it it's not as potent i don't think as what it used to be so um you know if you're trying to play that passive spellcasting style i don't think this is going to make that happen mm-hmm. but if you're playing something like like, so for instance domitan has this exact same card in their deck just word for word the exact Mm -hmm. same thing and so now they can take two of it and it's just kind of like wow that's pretty good um (laughs) i will say from actually playing it though casting four spells in a single phase is sometimes more difficult than it sounds just because dice don't always behave so yeah um, um
0: It, you know, and, and you're even talking about it with Domitans, uh, and that's a war band where all of the fighters also ha- like all, they all have range three spell attack actions. Yeah. Uh, yep. and that is, that is a, uh, a, a big deal because it gives you, it means that you will have continuous options to throw spells
1: that way as well as gambits. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when things are going right. I feel like this could an easily be a situation where you're just like, oh, I cast this fourth spell score, storm. And then you draw into the infaction version. You're like, oh, I cast one more spell. Look, I, I yeah. cast my fourth or subsequent spell. There's two more glory. And it's just, like, or, oh, God. or God forbid you had them both in hand and just, Oh, just yeah. do them both at once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sure. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Uh, so in a lot of ways, I'm glad that there is more universal support for wizards. Cause like, man, some of those older wizard war bands really need it. It's just really hard when you've got these two really strong wizard war bands. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was definitely the first card that stood out to me. It also, um, I think was the one where I was like, man, if I'm using this in nemesis, that's sort of like my flagpole to say, Hey, here's probably what I want to be doing mm-hmm. when you know what's in the power deck yeah
0: yeah yeah um right because if you're going to include this you really want oh you you've got to uh lean fairly heavy on gambits right like you can't uh gambit spells yeah. i should say absolutely uh and you can't like if you go light then you are counting on the right card order and just probably not going to work yeah, out not
1: so. not good not yeah. good yeah so uh (laughs) with with the whole magic thing kind of handled there uh how about another objective that you thought was an interesting one from this deck yeah um
0: so looking through them this is one i haven't actually played yet but Uh, really jumped out to me is a stranglehold. This is a two glory surge, which always gets our attention. Score this immediately after an opponent's power step. If your war band holds objective, each objective within two hexes of no one's territory. Uh, That is realistically going to be two, probably three objectives, particularly if your opponent knows what the, what this is going to be. I think, uh, I think if you are if you are playing if for some reason you're you want to I'm not exactly sure why you would but if you want to longboard uh, I think you can force this to be just two um, now whether yep. it's you know how, how that exactly plays out and what other cascading things happen there just because that no man's land is so much tighter there uh, it can be an awful lot if you are if you are playing something else but a, a two glory surge for holding objectives. Um, this is much more reasonable than the temporary victory, uh, that we lived through in, in beast grave. Um, and I, struggle struggled a little bit to figure out like what war ban really, cause you are going to have to hold something in enemy territory, like even relatively deep in enemy territory. Like, uh, that, that's a, that's a pretty wide buffer. Not, not like deep, deep, but like certainly not just over the line you could get yourself,
1: um, holding something. So, yeah, you, you kind of have to be able to set this up. Um, So I I have struggled with the math of this before. And like, I think it, a lot of it will come down to how the boards get set up. Yeah. And I think in best of three, if your opponent is savvy, they'll be like, no, I'm going to have, I'm going to be forced to use my objective placement to kind of deny this. Yeah. Of course, on the flip side, that could end up meaning if every you know, if you're pairing this with uh Fearsome Fortress, you could almost mm-hmm. use this as like a thing where your opponent forces their objective placement into the middle, sure. Which you want anyway. So yeah. yeah. Um it's an interesting one for sure. I, I agree I'm not hundred percent sure who I would use it with just yet, but I'm sure somebody in champs will figure it out. Um, yeah, the only and I don't think we're gonna
0: see much of this, but uh FlipTech also can make this a lot easier so i don't know if yes. there's a build that does that but if you if you have tech that is is not too hard to or not too expensive to do your your flips like not too much opportunity cost by including those then uh this this has potential to be more attractive it, it's a it, that's i think of all the objectives in this deck that's the biggest head scratcher for me I'm like it feels like it could be powerful i just can't you need a war band that has enough fighters that you could do it if there's a lot that you need to get, but you don't want them to be too weak. Cause as soon as you lose one, then yeah. So it's all, it's yeah. all over. Uh, And I think the last thing I want to say about it is uh, that window is important. It's after an opponent's power step, uh, which I actually like a lot better than after an opponent's activation. Uh, so somebody like uh, Starblood Stalkers could, Get into position and then burst from shadows. Grab, you know, leap onto yep. uh, a bunch of things. Or, you know, of course, we're talking uh, Grimwatch. You'd uh, use their their multi push, and all of a sudden you get it. And if the opponent doesn't have a, a power step push, then you can you can snag it uh, without as much chance of
1: retaliation. So, uh, yeah, definitely some some fun stuff with that. Um, yeah. Yeah, if anybody else out there has already brewed something to use this to a good effect, we would love to hear about it. So Yeah, totally. Let us know. Yep. Uh, what about uh, something else that you want to touch on? Yeah, so we've hit on a magic one, and we've hit on a hold one. How about a aggressive one? Uh, there's a card that I think lots of warbands are going to feel pretty darn good about. Um, to reach for for champs i don't i don't know exactly how well this will slot in when you're playing this deck in nemesis um, but it's called chill of the grave which has oh, totally yeah. pretty great art um <laughs> yeah <laughs> Kanan just like walking over what is that uh i can't quite tell who those fighters are frozen corpses though right uh and uh it's it's to glory and phase that's just score this in an end phase if two or more enemy fighters are out of action that's yeah. uh not not a big ask um,
0: no I, it's not so it's not busted and it's not terrible i i one example right. is uh i ran far striders that are kind of local thing they have an faction one that is like you have to have more fighters dead than the round number so they have to have either mm. two three mm-hmm. or four and that's a two glory and this is just like so, so much better yeah. um yeah so and I think we talked in breakneck slaughter. There's the one where it was uh, have have uh, dead equal to the round number. Yep. Um, and this is just a more kind of rounded out, you know, down the middle, averaged
1: version of that. Uh, totally reasonable. Totally totally yeah. doable. Yeah. And and same things apply. I think that we discussed about the man. I can't remember the name of that other one, but uh, same things apply. Where it's like you probably don't love seeing this in your opening hand would probably be plenty scorable in round two. And by the time you're to round three, if you're not scoring this and you're playing an aggro war band, well, something's <laughs> probably gone pretty wrong anyway. Yeah. Even against uh,
0: tanky war bands, you, you can often expect to, you know, if they, a, a elite three fighter,
1: they're often down to their last one by that last round. Yeah. Yeah. To hope. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, I think, You know, aggro warbands have not always had good end phase. And, you know, like you say, this isn't amazing, but like I'm going to take it. (laughs) Solid. Yeah, it's definitely solid. Yeah.
0: Uh, Speaking of aggro, I'll I'll talk about break the ice real quick. This is a surge for one glory. Score this immediately uh, after your warband deals damage to an enemy fighter. If that was the first damage dealt in this phase. I don't think this is especially strong. Uh, It has some of the same issues with like strong start where if you draw into it after, uh, in this case, if you draw into it after the first damage has already happened, well, it it won't score later. Um, And it's one of the nice things about surges you can draw in and keep scoring. Um, This this is looking for particular warbands. Like if you're a warband that can get the alpha strike or if you're a warband that has like pretty good defense characteristics, hey, I maybe don't kick out a lot of damage, so I'm not likely to get a kill. But I'm also not likely to take damage, and then the last thing, like the the way I scored it was using uh, using a ping, um, and so yep. if you're a warband that includes a lot of pings, uh, especially pings that can reach out from pretty far away, well then you uh, this goes up in value again. I don't I, this was like a ooh I'm running out of surges that I actually want in the deck, uh, and so this this went in there, but it was serviceable. Uh, and it's just an interesting spot. It's, it's an aggro, but not just like any kind of aggro. It, it yeah. is, uh, very, there's certain, certain builds that are more interested in it than others.
1: Very much so. Um, and, and I think being that it does work really well with ping, you've got a number of different warbands that have interesting options to be able to do this, yeah. um, although I do think a lot of the magic builds can take advantage of it. You've also got stuff like, um, Shadeborn have lots of different ping options and yeah. you got some interesting stuff, uh, with the plague pack where, I mean, they, if you can like, deploy safely with,
0: <laughs> if you can deploy safely with like Eye, Oh uh, yeah. that uh, then, that too. Hammer, right.
1: hammer tied, just, just hammer Tide right boom. off the gate. Yeah. Uh, the timing obviously is a problem um this is one of those surges that you kind of hate to draw into yeah like it's good if you have it in your hand at the start of the round i i don't know that you ever like seeing it drawn like, no from a no, surge. Definitely not. but um i think in nemesis it's serviceable and i think you, yep. can, you can fill maybe that 11th or 12th uh slot in your objective deck if you're like really reaching for stuff
0: yeah i'd agree
1: So, uh, I think those are sort of your two aggressive things. Um, I mean, there's a number of other things that we could talk about here, but I feel like there's really just two that I wanted to hit on. Um, Okay. So do you have a preference of cold of the void or winter's hunger for something you want to talk about first <laughs> i mean i think i have to do cold of the void since i got uh, so excited on our broad overview um,
0: and i think this is one of those that i saw this deck and i saw it in the context of being excited about the Thricefold discord a control warband yeah remembering this kind of control play like this is this is something that you can play if uh there's there's just not a, a lot of pushes like there there used to be for scattering people. Um uh, yeah. there's a lot of pushes that bring people together. So I don't think this is remotely as strong as as the Alone in the Dark, which is the what it was back in season one. Uh but I love having an objective like this where the other person's gotta be like, okay, like how do I uh how do I do how much do I invest in like trying to deny this? I haven't seen it yet, but do I blow up my own game plan in order to deny this? And it's uh it's more powerful against these smaller elite war bands that are um, perhaps more popular in the game right now. Yeah. Um, someone like gets is going to make this a miserable thing to score, but yeah. Um, ironically pictured on the card but uh <laughs> yeah uh, we're not seeing those quite as as much um i yeah like i i was playing uh i was playing against Thricefold discord uh had, i think i had to mulligan it um because the rest of the objectives in hand were not good. it was like oh i can't wait to get this back in hand because i know that he's wanting to hold objectives there's only three of them like we're really going to be spread out and i can i can control it and not even you know tip my hand all that much so um yeah i yeah i like that it's got counterplay and i like that it's a
1: two glory end phase that you can you can have as part of a control build if you need very much so um and your your point about saying that you know this card isn't as bad as it was because of the rest of the landscape being different is is totally valid and you know they they keep taking away the distraction-esque Cards mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, you know, no, we're not just going to have the ability to push enemy fighters, or if you can, it has to be within a certain range, or some other condition has to be met first. And it's like, okay, uh, you know, the control of enemy placement is much more restricted, um, and it it does make me think. There's some of these older warbands and champs that just have this stuff baked into the um, faction cards where they'll still be able to take advantage of this so it's something to probably watch out for with those warbands in mm. champs sure. um particularly the mourn flight um <laughs> yeah gross they they've, they've got more than one so yeah. uh, <laughs> you know they could really leverage this and they're they're a smaller warband to begin with so um i wouldn't be surprised if you see cold of the void in mourn flight sure uh, well, what was the other one you want to talk about yeah, so this is Winter's Hunger. Um, this mm-hmm. is sort of our uh, our oddball objective in this deck. Um, so this is a two-glory end phase, which uh, there's been a lot of two-glory cards here, actually. Um, but this is a score if one of your friendly fighters has three or more ice counters. Yeah, this is one of those cards the first time you read through the
0: deck and you get to this one, you're like... I have no idea if this is yeah. strong or not because <laughs> I just good? don't know. <laughs> uh, now I'll have to go read how often these counters are generated. Yeah.
1: Um, and and the answer is not actually that much. Um, to get to three, you have to invest a decent amount. It's not like your whole entire deck has to be geared towards it, but like you're going to be sort of forced to bring most of the cards that generate ice counters. There's mm-hmm. very few that can like stack more than one ice counter, so um if you reach for this, you are planning on having you know most of these cards that add ice. But I do think in those builds where you're like I'm going to sit back and I'm going to try and be more controlling and stand you know, do some of this hold and positioning stuff and make my opponent come to me. Yeah. Uh, I like having a two glory option that sort of works as that leverage to be like, okay, fine. If you don't want to come to me, I'll just sit back here and rack up some ice counters and, uh, cool my heels and Mm -hmm. pick up two glory. Yeah.
0: Uh, I know those are the last two you want to talk about. I just wanted to make mention about ice age, Uh, It's not a particularly exciting one. It just says score this in an end phase of two or more blocked hex tokens are on the battlefield. And it's both available feature tokens have to be put down and they have to be put down on the block side. Uh, From a control perspective, I included this in a deck that I was building. And I was like, yeah, like this, like I I can do this with power cards. It can't be stopped. If I'm just doing it with power cards, I would need the the right ones, obviously. Um, And it's not, there's not a ton of them there, but like maybe one power card and one kill and then I'm there. Uh, and that felt okay. Not great. And then also I realized like, Oh, actually if you play against fearsome fortress and they put it yeah. cover side up, you, you, you will not score more. this. Yeah, yeah. Like there's, there's just, there's cause you can't, you can't delve, uh, a token that flips to block. It's really hard unless you've got specific tech to get that cover, uh, into yep. a blocked, um, on the board. So,
1: yeah, I actually find it a little strange. Um, so we'll talk about this a little bit more uh, sure. as we go through the power cards that, you know, placing block taxes is one of the things that this war, uh, this deck does. Um, but they didn't provide any tech for flipping cover or objectives or anything back into block taxes. Yeah. And it just felt a little weird as like an oversight. They actually include a card that lets you flip block taxes, which doesn't right. make any sense to me, but... <laughs> Yeah, uh, I thought I thought a couple of these could have had a uh, place a block or flip a cover or something like that. You know? Yeah, that would have been interesting. But yeah. uh, you know, it it's what it is. I I can understand being conservative with that design space. Um, block hexes are very disruptive, so it is. You know, I don't know if it's a good thing, but like the design of the game is really geared towards make everybody fight yep, in some way or another. And so being very conservative about these types of mechanics, I think is the safe choice. Mm -hmm. It stops there from being bad feels when somebody rocks out with their super control, like I'm going to place blocked hexes build and you weren't prepared for it and you just can't do anything. But um, hopefully they keep pushing in those directions to just like inch that line until they find the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I don't think ice age is it. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Um,
0: well, all right. Should we talk about some gambits here? we kind of mentioned the power cards were maybe the most exciting or strongest part of this deck.
1: Yeah. And I also think that the power cards are probably, you know, it's odd cause we tend to say, well, figure out your game plan from your objectives, but if you're, Grabbing this deck, I think you actually figure out your game plan more from your gambits than you do from your objectives. Um, yeah, I think you you see what gambits you've taken, and then like, okay, what
0: objectives can I score off of that? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, the gambits specifically are five gambit spells and five just straight gambits. Yeah, a nice
1: balance there, and a lot of different sort of things. They yeah. they do a ton of stuff. I. I will say I like most of them, mm-hmm. um, so it'll it'll be hard to pick like just a couple. But um, do we just get it out of the way first? We just start with sure thing, the boogeyman. All right. Yeah. So if if you've played this game for any amount of time and spend any amount of time online with this game. You might've heard of this card. Uh, it's called Abasoth's avalanche. This is a gambit spell. It casts on one focus. And if it is cast, you deal one damage to each fighter in the same territory as the caster, then place up to one available feature token in an empty hex in that territory. Yeah. So on its face, when I first read this, uh, Couple things came to mind. First, I was like, this just is Shard Gale with some additional restrictions. And I was like, so that's probably a good thing, right? I mean, Shard Gale was nuts. Uh, having it be more restricted is probably the right choice. Um, and as people have talked about it more, it's actually worse. Uh, and the reason, well, it can be. I guess we should caveat that. The reason being, If somebody gets this in their opening hand, and they're just like, all right, wizard, in you go to enemy territory, (laughs) and they just chuck this out on the very first activation of the game, oh boy, you are in a world of trouble, because now your entire warband is down one wound. Yeah. Yeah, I I think the the main
0: concern here is how early it can go off. And, and when I first saw it, I was like, ah, I'm not actually all that worried about this, but that's because I really have some sort of legacy thinking about casting war bands that, you know, from the night vault era often had one caster that was fairly important to your war band. And you were not, uh, you would not want to toss that person forward yeah. and put them yeah. at risk because then the rest of your deck is bricking out if they get counter punched and killed. Uh, this deck has a way to uh, fail-safe that with some with some, uh, power-ups. And there we have more warbands that are, say, you know, either like Domitans or like, that's fine. I can definitely spare one of my casters or a Gnarl Spirit pack. I, you know, I think you can risk your caster there. You, you still yeah. have a functional warband even if he goes down. And so when you start having a situation where, like, you have models that you're willing to put in that risky spot and it's not punishing to give them up, well, oh, yeah, then you got something of a uh, potential issue. So,
1: yeah, uh, the so in in some ways, the card is more balanced in that, like, you're not just going to fire this off just no matter what, because, you know, you don't get to immediately deal the one damage to every fighter. But yeah. in some ways, that's more balanced because it hits it. It's, you know, it literally is balanced. It keeps everybody down one. Yeah. Um, but. Uh it it's also I think good in the sense that like so like Ephelim's probably not gonna want to use this mm. because you'd have to throw Ephelim forward and right. oh boy, that's not that's, something you want to do. Game at plan. All. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so in some ways it's like, well that's that's kind of good. Uh you know, a powerful spell that doesn't get used by potentially the most powerful spellcasting war band, but like I think the math just works out that it's it's very strong. Um, if you draw it later in the game, I don't think it's nearly as good because fighters are more spread out. There's fewer fighters in a single territory. Right. Um, you know, the, the cast should have been a little harder to cast this, and that would have made it harder to use as an alpha strike tool. We've really never had the idea of an alpha strike in this game before. Like, it's just not existed.
0: So well, I'll, I'll push back on that a little bit. Uh, maybe we're defining it differently. Like I think the idea of uh, a back deployment and then using something like spectral ring wings to make sure you are the first attack, or you know, um, to, sure. to load uh, load um, up. Like I'm I'm going to power up an attack uh, with some passive stuff and then uh,
1: hit you from outside of where you can hit me. Um, yeah. Uh, so I guess I was thinking um, something that's going to endanger like my entire warband sure almost immediately an alpha nuclear strike (laughs) yeah where it's like i am going to take this very aggressive action and potentially win the game off of it yeah before you have a chance to actually respond like not not just that you can't get to me but like some of your or a large chunk if you're two fighter warbands uh two wound fighter warbands (laughs) yeah 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 May just kind of be gone and it's like oh well that's horrible and i don't like, <laughs> like that but um as bad as that is I, I there's a part of me that feels like this is gonna end up being okay like in the it'll shake out in like a tournament setting where you don't just immediately win every game because you have this mm-hmm. um but i do think it might end up being like a hard thing to get past if you're a two wound warband like if you're really squishy you just probably get blown up by this somewhere along yeah. the line in a tournament and you're just like man i could have been fine if it wasn't for that avalanche and sure so maybe uh, it's I, a bad feel card <laughs> yeah i mean i think it's
0: power. so sleek's bowl had a post on our discord that was like i was preparing this long lengthy well-researched article i was going to use data-driven stuff to explain why uh why abysos avalanche was not actually a problem Um, and then what I discovered was actually, it is a problem. Yeah. (laughs) Proved himself wrong that the math actually shows that it is, it is a problem. So, yeah. So, you know, I, I, there's maybe a number of ways and we'll see with this, uh, with this maybe active meta watch sort of idea that we've got. We'll see if this gets, how long it takes to get addressed. Um, we haven't locally, we, we frankly haven't really seen it much because uh,
1: the set's not out. So, um, yeah. To yeah. be D there. Yeah, I think we've got two people who'd be able to use it right now. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's it's not it's just not out there enough yet. But I think uh, we'll see it more. I it's probably all we need to really say about it. It's strong. If you're a wizard warband that wants to be aggressive, you'll you're probably just taking this automatically. But um, I don't know. It it'll be interesting. I think there's there's the potential for counter magic design space that could probably help curb stuff like this without like an errata yeah um but we'll see what else comes out in death gorge sure
0: while we're talking about spells i was going to hit kind of a pair and it's because i like the design space on these and that's uh freeze thaw finish and iara's frozen bonds these are both, both cool yeah they're both gambit spells they both go off on focus uh they both say if cast place Uh, up to one available feature token in an empty hex within three hexes. So the same thing, the idea being like you're putting down a pillar of ice. And then they both say now choose a fighter that's within one hex of a blocked hex in the case of freeze, thaw, finish. Uh, And same thing for ER as frozen bonds. So it doesn't actually have to be the feature token that you just put down. Uh, But what I like about this is that you're still choosing the fighter and whenever you choose a fighter as part of a spell, you must have line of sight to that fighter. So, what you cannot do is do the hyper defensive thing, which is drop that column of ice in between you and the target and then give them a move or give them a ping. And now they can't see you and they've been damaged. You have to like maintain some line of sight. So. They will be able to, you know, if they have a ranged attack or their own spells, they'll be able to uh, whack back at you.
1: Absolutely, which is a really interesting, uh, like, thought from a design standpoint, where it's like, yeah. well, we'll even order this in such a way that you do have to place the token first, yeah, and so you have to make that choice before yeah. you pick your target, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and frozen bonds giving out move tokens. We talked about this before, where move tokens are in some sense, not quite as powerful as they used to be. Well, I guess like giving charge tokens is, is the thing that like really really took the hit because you can get charged out here. What's what's kind of nifty about these move tokens because now you can move multiple times, right? Yep. Um, so in that sense, they're not as, as punishing as they used to be, but uh, laying a move token on somebody can basically cost them an activation. You know, if you if you play this at the first activation, you know, you have the first activation around two, you do something with that activation, then you cast this, lay a move token on the uh, model that you thought was going to counterpunch you. Now that model's stuck, they can't charge, and they'll have to move closer before they attack. And uh, if it's a small fighter warband, and maybe they just had two fighters left, you deny them the ability to reach that charged out state. Uh, because. Yeah. The one with the move cannot charge, and you and will, unless they have some other way of getting charge tokens out, will not reach the charged out status.
1: Yeah, which is a you know new headspace to be living in. Um, sure, to try and figure that sort of stuff out. Yep. So definitely a, a fun little control play there. Um, I think it is worth mentioning here. Similar to the Ice Age objective, both of these. Being that they do require block hexes, um, to trigger off of, like the, you you have to have a block hex somewhere for the other effect to happen. So, like mm-hmm. even if you can't place one, there has to be one somewhere. Yeah. Um, if you didn't bring a board with block hexes printed on it, and your opponent didn't, and all of the feature tokens are placed, these cards become dead, and that yeah. that is a. a, a risk of running these so it is something to keep in mind um but i don't think it's such a huge risk that you just say well i'm not going to take these at all
0: Um, yeah i i think they're good i think needing a focus makes them more reasonable and i think the limitations that you were describing also feed into that so yeah yeah
1: uh and i guess as the final note to that if you are playing against this deck remember that you can plunder Hmm. Um, I still forget about it. Yeah, <laughs> I I'm just so much in the mindset of like, well, I, it's basically a non-factor. I can't place anything. Yeah. Um. No, you you could definitely place tokens, and it it's really important against this deck to do so because you want to get yeah. them down to stop those block hexes.
0: I managed to have kind of the dream scenario with the freeze off finish here, where I got somebody within kill range while also putting a block behind them, which made them trapped because they were against the board edge. Oh, man. Um, and so <laughs> it was basically served as both an accuracy boost and a damage boost, which was pretty That's great. That's really
1: nice. That yeah. is really nice. I love yeah. it. Well, uh, I think there's one other spell that I like uh, and one that I just don't think you'd ever take, so... I, I will talk about the other one that I like and then maybe you okay. can decide if we final like we wrap it up by talking all of the spells quickly or not Sure. but so this is final curse mm-hmm. um, I'll be honest is... I wasn't sure which one you were going to pick I was Ooh, like I, okay. I don't know which okay. way he's going to go so so, so it's an interesting one um, you know, it's not good in all scenarios but so this is also cast on a focus I think they're all cast on a single focus which yep, is every choice all game it spells in this deck Yeah, Uh, so you play this during an attack action that targets a friendly wizard after the deal damage step if the wizard will be taken out of action. So this Mm -hmm. is one of those like I'm going to die things. I'm going to use this on my way out. The wizard will be the caster. They must be. And uh, if cast, you deal two damage to the attacker. Yeah, that's a lot. And uh, it does not say anything about the range. Right. Or line of sight. You yeah. Know? You you um, actually don't
0: I guess I, you, I don't you, think there's gonna be a circumstance
1: where you would, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> it is possible, but it's very rare. Uh yeah. there there is an upgrade from Daring Delvers that allows for a fighter to draw a line of site through block taxes. Yep. For the shenanigans I
0: had that it's a like (laughs) gifted site or something like that. I I had that in that far strider deck I was running. Oh Um, man. (laughs) Never, never. (laughs) I had one time it processed. I ran away behind a block tax and then just sent my bird out through the block. Nice. (laughs) But anyway, back to this. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Two damage is a nice, it reminds me of, there was like, uh, I'm going to get the name wrong but something like arcane riposte or something like that. Yep. That uh, curse breakers would use. And it was, I don't remember what it would go off on a channel or two channels, but it would it would give you a chance to do damage yeah. back if you um, if somebody attacked you. I don't know if you needed anyway. Uh, that was that would feel pretty rough. This one, uh, this one is good. Uh, when I'm building a deck that wants to cast a lot, i.e., trying to score something like Bitter Storm, I'll often just kind of scan and be like, "Yep, I've got five or six Gambit spells. Uh, I think I'm in a good spot." The problem with final curse is you can't just use it whenever. Like it's a very specific use case. And so uh, while it is powerful, if your deck is counting on you to cast a certain number of gambit spells, this one I almost count as like a half gambit spell um, because in order for it to go off, you have to cast it. But more importantly, you have to lose a fighter
1: capable of casting. Yeah, I think this is one of those like psychological cards where your opponent has to play around it to a certain degree um sure. and then it, i think if you're playing a very aggressive spell casting deck i think this is also just solid because mm-hmm. you're going to have your wizards in p- positions that will be putting them at risk and so at least on their way out they could do a little more damage yeah. um potentially get a kill score on objective or something which yeah uh, would be pretty great um you know it's not my first choice it's probably like 10th gambit in most decks but if you're playing this deck in nemesis especially uh and you've got the wizards i don't see a good reason not to bring it right yeah totally uh
0: well i think so the other Mazig's malediction i'll just you know it's positionally uh it's situationally powerful but maybe too niche to really go i I, we could be definitely proven wrong on that but um I, yeah. I think there's too many circumstances where your opponent will have an obvious choice on like yeah this is the condition that i don't mind so yeah. yeah yeah i agree um don't love it yeah uh we could move on to gambits here yeah uh, or de- <laughs> non, non-spell gambits i want to talk about Some time for you, so i'm just gonna I <laughs> it has an interesting so this is uh first once again awesome art um core hulk is like in mid leap about to like just pound some fool um i love it yep uh and i I like that like it's not like these are videos but you can just like i don't know if it's just because of the name of the card you just know that he's suspended there you know but uh Uh, this is play this only in your power step, which is an important thing to remember. And I'll get back to that. Uh, choose two friendly fighters, give each chosen fighter, one ice counter, one guard token in your next activation step. You must take the pass action in your following activation step in the same phase. You can take two activations in each of those activations. You must activate a different chosen fighter or pass. So there's a lot to go through there. Um, you are signaling, Hey, I'm going to get back-to-back activations, so are you, opponent, and mine are going to be more restricted. I am going to have already signaled exactly who is going to activate. Uh, it's going to be these two fighters, it, it, it can decide which order, but the opponent could activate the same fighter twice if they wanted. Um, and if they are really, if they're playing it right, they may have a chance to kind of blitz in and kill one of those fighters or, or make them ineffective in some way uh, since they already know who that's coming from. Yeah. Uh, and I think the other piece that I didn't, until I played it most recently, I didn't realize was pretty significant is play this only in your power step. This means that you have to already have an activation spent. So the earliest you could play it is after your first activation, then you stall yep. your, you pass on your second and then on your third activation, you do a, one two hit um and that is that feels like some kind of check on it i guess it's less of a surprise if you're able to uh drop it your your opponent will have more notice i guess it just functionally doesn't work all that great if you were able to use in your opponents because uh yeah yeah like yeah it's just wonky um but this is one of the few ways to get ice counters at gambit speed if you are working with winter's hunger then that's pretty important um in my experience this is really powerful or potentially very powerful early where the battle lines are not mixed yet so you're like you we we have this thing where often we'll hand the first activation to the other player in that first round you're saying like ah uh, if you want to come at me i'm fine then my warband will collapse in on you here you can just even delay that even more you say like all right well if you want to lob somebody in before they're fully upgraded, I'm happy with that. And then I will come back and, and hit you with a a one, two combo. Yeah. Um, So, uh, especially potentially powerful if you have some sort of, uh, passive play available to you. So, um, and then I think late is the other time, uh, we were playing and we had like kind of a, a wide separation of, of fighters. I was like, you have to burn one just to get close enough to me to attack and, yeah, you can make your
1: opponent spend activations before you commit, basically. Yeah. Um, this can also sort of give you the final say in the round where mm-hmm. you delay all your activation. So you play this. Let's see, it would have to be in your second power step yeah. so that you skip your third. And then in your fourth, you to take both your remaining actions. And if you went second in the round, you kind of get final say with two actions instead of one. So yeah, uh, that's pretty powerful. Right. Um, and there's, there's a lot to think about with this card. It's pretty hard to like think through all the possible scenarios of things that could come up. The thing that gives me the most pause about it is that you are just telling your opponent, okay, go twice yeah. Before I get to do anything, and yeah. like, there's this, I feel like a lot of ways to counterplay if you know you, your opponent's going to have two activations and yep. you have two activations before they do. So, um, gives me pause, uh, but I do think that like, you're right, this is a powerful yeah. card, and people are definitely going to have to watch for it. I would say
0: it's even more risky to use if your opponent has a pretty, uh, pretty big grip of power cards still in their hand because it means they have a lot of hidden information still, right? Yeah. Because like, you're looking at the board and say, "Ah, oh, I think this is what they might do with their two activations." Well, they're like, "Oh, actually, I'm going to have extra damage and accuracy and speed." You're like,
1: "Oh no, this is <laughs> yeah, actually a big problem pretty, for me. pretty, pretty scary." Yeah. Um, the only other thing that I've thought about with this is that you could do some pretty interesting things in war bands that have like multi-action activations Definitely. when you have time freeze. So yep. like exiled dead come to mind where you can choose Markov and Dantelos and then just be like, Hey, look, <laughs> I'm going to get to activate my entire war band. Yeah. Um, or what are they called? The, the swamp boys. Um, oh, the kind uh, crew. Yeah. Kind Crew. Yeah. Uh, kind crew with all their movement shenanigans. Sure. So, yeah you know you activate two fighters but that could mean you're moving who knows i i don't i, I don't know them yeah. well enough to know how many you could move but i think it's <laughs> just about all of them um because yeah. you could like set stuff up and it's some yeah, pretty they have stuff they have a cool thing where you know uh, this is
0: corner case it's not as powerful as some of the things but you know they could move uh tough school into position to provide supports and then come in with a you know like they they synergize well with that you could run your minions forward maybe they got weapons and then they're both in position because of your reactions and then you get crook grin to pay them off to do extra you know both attack or something like yeah. that. there's there's a lot yeah I, I think i think you're right this really kind of unlocks there's the um i'm gonna forget the uh upgrade in um thricefold discord the uh spell action um, a focus to have everybody yes. you take a damage. So you can um, say, Hey, for one of my actions of excess, what, icon of excess. Yeah. For one of my actions, all my guys will go. Yeah. And for my other action, one of those guys will go again. You're like, Ooh. Yeah. It feels
1: pretty bad. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: But I mean, that's a really good point. You can, uh, you can get some high efficiency out of that sort of thing. So I think the other thing that's worth noting for this card is just that, um, You probably have more that you can do with it in champs than you can in nemesis. Um, That's probably true. You're, I think pretty limited if you're trying to find a way to make this work in this deck in nemesis, just because Mm -hmm. like it doesn't necessarily synergize super well with everything else that's going on in this deck. Like it's not bad by any means. Um, You can certainly find uses for it, but I, I imagine where it'll really shine is in champ decks where people can like tailor a strategy where they're like, hey, I will really benefit from having these two back-to-back actions. Yeah. So I would watch out for it much, much more when you're playing championship <laughs> than when you're playing Nemesis. But it'll it'll still show up and I think it'll be good. Yeah. Uh, so I grabbed that one. Is there a gambit you want to hit? Yeah. So man, there's a couple, but I I really like the design space for Icy foreboding. Mm. Uh, so this is one where you pick an opponent with one or more power cards and that opponent has to choose they will either give one fighter in their warband that has no charge tokens a charge token or they have to discard two power cards or one if they only have one which yeah. I guess is just there to say you can still play you, this even you if they only have, have one this. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, yeah this is playable yeah. even if they only have the one power card yeah uh we have not seen a lot of cards like this in underworlds um stuff that tries to do control by forcing discard is just not really play space that we've had before and yeah. i think i like it i think it could feel really punishing in certain scenarios where like your opponent needs to make that final charge and they're like yeah. holding on to those last two power cards and you're just like all right, Icy Foreboding, make the choice. What do you you have to do? And they're just like, oh man, it's back breaking. Um, I
0: I think, so I will admit that every deck I've built with Force of Frost, none of them have actually included this card. And some of that is because I think every deck I've built has been leaning, they've been nemesis decks that lean into the casting side. And this gets cut in favor of another Gambit spell. Yeah. absolutely but I'm in the same boat where I'm like really interested Uh, I think what can make these difficult for me to include is that you don't look at and say this is directly contributing to my game plan in exactly x way like yeah it, it is you know definition of a control card it is messing with
1: your opponent's game plan more than it's helping yours absolutely and I I think that's expressly why I like that we are seeing a card in that design space because it is so different that like, it's even hard to grasp what I would do with this card. Right. Um, and so it, in some ways it's like, I just pass over it with deck building. Cause I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> um, but I, I certainly want to try it. I think you'd have to have the right war band for it. Um, mm. And I, you know, there's not, I don't know that there's a lot of war bands that can play, control well enough right now other than maybe thrice fold and if you're doing thrice fold you might just lean into spells anyway right um but i don't know i i certainly want to try it and um just see how it goes because it's one of those things uh you know toxic terrors has some control stuff where in theory i looked at it and i was like man this this feels like it has a lot of potential to just really mess somebody's game plan up yeah and i've had that happen to me a couple times where somebody what's it called the one that that gives a move token to a fighter who's on a starting hex
0: oh i ever i always forget if it's ill-prepared or freezing
1: venom i think it's ill-prepared okay yeah he's dropping the scorpion in the boot but yeah (laughs) it's just like on first glance you're like okay that's fine it's whatever and then somebody mm. does it to you and you're just like, wait a minute. Now my whole it game plan sucks. is yeah. shit. <laughs> charge. And yeah. it's just like, I didn't see that coming. Um, and especially when somebody will be like first activation of the round, it's their go, they do their thing. And then they're like, and you're like biggest, scariest guy. Uh, move token. And I'm like, yeah. whoa, Ooh, no. <laughs> Ooh, <yeah. laughs> I am in trouble. Yeah. Um, And I can certainly see that happening with something like this, where like, even if you're like, okay, I have to keep these power cards. Now I have to put a charge token on somebody. Like I'm basically losing a fighter for the round. Yeah, Uh, rough, rough stuff. Yeah, there's
0: there's some edge cases where that permits them to get to charged out situation earlier, but you just don't lean into that. Uh, It does also have some. There's uh, some other niche objectives, uh, me having spent some time with Gorechosen, chosen, they have a glorious battle, which is looking for, f- I think it's four or more fighters to have blood tithe or charge tokens. Uh, uh, yeah. And so you can throw this out and be like, Hey, you know, I know you got a bunch of little guys and you're just going to throw this, but that's going to lock in glorious battle for me a little easier. Yeah, something like that. So pretty cool. Yeah.
1: Pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that one's certainly an interesting one. Is there another that you think needs to be highlighted? I think for me, it just, uh, this is a
0: quite good ping. Frozen to the spot. Yeah. Uh, choose an enemy fighter after the chosen fighter's activation, in which they made one or moved actions deal one damage to that fighter. This effect persists until the end of the phase or until that fighter is taken out of action. Uh, given that we are in an, a rule set that, permits multiple moves in a way that we didn't necessarily allow before. Uh, This has a higher ceiling than it would have otherwise. Uh, I think there's a couple important things to bear in mind. It's after the chosen fighters activation. So if you were to put this on, I don't know, like a sepulchral guard fighter, but they're getting moved because of the warden, this is not going to damage them because it has to be the chosen fighters activation in the, in that case they're getting. So if they're getting moved by someone else or moving as a reaction or moving, um, as yeah, like all the extra moves that exist in void curse thralls, those are not going to trigger this. Um, however, it is, uh, it is a pretty good lockdown. I, I like, I think it's very powerful, but I I like that, it's not a surprise in the way that um, Daring Delvers is one that's uh, after Quick you roots. charge. Yeah. Man, like that card. In, <laughs> yeah. This, this doesn't have the surprise factor of Quick Roots. I mean, as surprising as that is where you're like, I'm sure I'm going to get Quick Roots here. I even, I've, I've even been sure I'm going to get uh, hit by Quick Roots when I'm not playing against Daring Delvers. That's how. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's gotta be coming. It's yeah. coming right now.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, but so this, this, puts the decision in the hands of the opponent. But uh, I mean, I, this was the card with which I scored the break the ice uh, gambit. Because I, I, I put it on one of Brian's fighters that I knew was going to want to move based on how he was setting up. And it's like, you're, I know you're going to take this damage and I don't have to get close to do it. And now you're going to take it on the score this and get the
1: engine started. Hopefully. That's pretty fun. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, I really like, you know, there's a lot of the stuff in this deck, it's just kind of like give your opponent bad choices. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like that. I, it's not something we see a lot in this game. Um, a lot, I feel like a lot of the time you're not playing against your opponent's strategy. You're playing your strategy. Um, and this, this deck definitely does a lot more to be like, hey, we're going to have ways to disrupt what our opponent's trying to do and do it in a way that makes them have to think pretty hard Mm. um about like how much can i afford to do with this restriction yep. being in place which is yep. really cool so yep very fun um i mean we talked about most of them at this point uh yep. let's just very quickly just mention the other two uh falling shards i think you could take um this just drops a feature token in an empty hex in no one's or I- your territory and importantly
0: gives an ice counter to a friendly, like I think this is the, I'm doing an ultra passive. I want to be able to put blocks to kind of mess up you trying to get to me. And I'm going to get more ice counters on to be able to uh, unlock some of these upgrades down below or winter's hunger.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you're doing the ice build, you pretty much have to have falling shards and um, falling shards is very similar to shard fall, uh, which (laughs) I'm sure the naming is intentional Uh, from back in season one. Um, And that card was quite good uh, back in season one. I I think this this is... is, For people who don't know, it just put a block text on the board
0: for the rest of the game.
1: Uh, For the round. Oh, was it for the round? It was for the round, but I mean, it's still very disruptive. Um, There was a lot of ways to mess with people's game plans with that. Yeah, Um, it always ended up being like 11th or 12th Gambit for me. Same, uh, but I I remember it happening a couple of times and being like, oh man, but oh, that no. really yeah. messes up yeah. uh, how I can get to things. But um, the the only sort of caveat to this card is that you do have to have those available feature tokens and sometimes you just won't have them. And again, this card becomes dead. So uh, yeah. it's just something you have to work around. Um, so if you know your you know opponent is probably going to try and these maybe you mulligan hard to get it early so that you can have it in your game plan but sure um, yeah and then the final one here is flash flood which I mentioned earlier this is one that lets you uh, f- <laughs> so you have to choose a fighter adjacent to a blocked hex so it does require there still be blocked hexes on the board um, you can push the chosen fighter one hex which is actually kind of nice because it's not it's not fighter that is friendly or enemy. It's just either or. So it could be yeah. a wide step. It could be a distraction. And then the other option is you can flip any number of block taxes. Yeah. And it's just like, why would you do that? So <laughs> if you're doing the whole block text thing and you're like really leaning into it, I, I guess the push part of Flash Flood is actually pretty nice. But I I don't know. Uh, I've I've felt like maybe that's not the right way to go. But I could be wrong. Yeah, I
0: mean, I think it often gets cut because of
1: uh, situation, situational nature of it. Yeah, it's pretty hard, but um, I don't know. Block block hexes are printed on a decent number of boards, so you could kind of build around it that way, I guess. But sure, that's all the uh, gambits we we literally talked about all of them, uh, <laughs> which we said we wouldn't do. But there's just so many cool ones. Yeah. Uh, Upgrades, I think, isn't actually in a similar situation, but hopefully we won't have <laughs> as long about every single one of them. Um, yeah, there's some bangers in here. Uh, yeah,
0: I'll lead off with a pair: Armor of Ice and Cool and Calm. Yeah, these both do very similar things. They grant a bonus if you have an ice counter. They can grant an action with which to gain an ice counter. For Armor of Ice, it's just a straight up action: gain an ice counter for cool and calm it's a spell action on a channel so a very modest one uh that builds in nicely if you're trying to farm spell actions for uh, bitter storm for example yeah but what what i like about both these is that as soon as you have an ice counter you cannot do that action anymore so that was specifically something i assume that they put in because somebody was like hey i could just stand at the back and have cool and calm and just keep on putting ice yep. counter ice counter ice counter lots of casts i'm getting benefits for no risk um but cool and calm and armor of ice have glossed over the fact that they will take a level whatever uh a level one and make them into a level two caster uh cool and yeah. Calm giving uh giving rerolls to cast and armor of ice giving two block but they're not restricted well uh cool and calm is restricted to casters but armor of ice is not um those are those are really strong, um, particularly in some war bands, but, but being able to, if you can get your ice on there, then, uh, having two block or having a re-roll to cast are really pretty spectacular. Benefits. Yeah.
1: I mean, both of these feature FLM in the art. And <laughs> I, oh yeah. I, I didn't even notice. Certainly <laughs> wouldn't think that it would be a miss to have yeah. both of these on FLM. Yeah. Um, yeah i mean if you're playing a wizard warband and you have cool and calm you're feeling awesome because you can play this out it gives you a like a very passive spell that you can use so you can just like rack up a cast because the one channel is super easy and Mm -hmm. then once you do that now you have rerolls. yeah and and you're level two if you were level one like there's just so much good about that um it, like it's just making everything about your wizard warband more consistent, so that's really good. Um, and then armor of ice I mean, an upgrade you can put on anybody to give them conditionally to block, but albeit a pretty minor condition. Yeah, uh, two block is a serious defense upgrade to a lot of fighters.
0: Yeah. Um, I what I like is that you can't so if you are relying on this card to give you your ice counter, uh. Unlike, still- unlike cool and calm, where a spell action is probably benefiting some of your objectives, your game plan uh, for extra casts, Armor of Ice is a big ask for an entire activation to do it. Not, not out of the question in certain plans and builds, but that's an activation is a high cost. What I like about that is that if you want to get it easier, it means that you have to dip heavier into the ice counter uh, stuff and that has made for some interesting deck building choices. Like, okay, well, I guess do I include these like blizzard darts here or do I, you know,
1: yeah? Um, so, makes sense, absolutely. Some interesting choices. Although, one choice that I don't think is particularly hard <laughs> and yeah. is similar to these other two uh, is Frostworm Cloak. Yeah, very and, good. Uh, wow, another really good one. Uh, thankfully, you cannot give this to large fighters. Um, yep. cause man, it would be pretty gross if you could. Yeah. This is minus one damage to a minimum of one from attack actions. that target, this fighter, well, this fighter has one or more ice counters, which by itself still pretty good. Like you'd have yeah. to work to get that ice counter, but it's like, Hey, that'd be pretty great. Except <laughs> there's more words on this card. Yeah. It says reaction after this fighter's activation, give this fighter one ice counter. Yep. Uh, So there is a slight delay. You can't just slap this on and the end of your activation and be like, Hey, look now I reduce damage by one, which is what you'd sort of normally do with these cards. Sort of surprise your opponent with the minus one damage, but, uh, still pretty trivial. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you just
0: put it on slightly earlier. Yeah. Activate and get it. Right. Uh, it has to change to an activation of this guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say if you are building into the ice counter stuff, this is your one repeatable source of ice counters, and yeah I, it's it's the one easily repeatable. You can true. repeat with
0: uh, ice burn blade and blizzard darts, but those yeah. are gonna require you to make attack. This will let you do if you're just moving or using a spell action on a card or, or going, going on guard. guard. <laughs> yeah.
1: so yes. Um, I sh- yes, I should be more specific. Uh, it is not the only one, but it is certainly the best way. Um, and it is, I think an auto include if you're taking this deck, um, and maybe just an auto include in general, if you are playing in championship, I don't know. Um,
0: feels really good. It is, it is pretty great. Um, yeah, that, that, uh, timing piece is such that it's not too prohibitive to be able to throw it on there. Yeah. Uh, while we're linking cards together, I think I really like the challenge it presents with Frozen Heart, which Ooh, is the yeah. next one. So Frostworm Cloak being the easiest way to farm extra uh, ice counters. Well, next to it is Frozen Heart, which uh, for has uh, you know, increased bonuses for each ice counter you get. They go plus one wound, attack actions have stagger, and then uh, attack actions no range limit have grievous one. That plus one wound being really early means that if you try to combo this with frostworm cloak on the people most likely to use it, your level fours, right? Your level fours, your four wound level twos, yeah, uh, you're going to break your cloak almost immediately. So there's there's a weird niche of people who really like it, like uh, Ilthari is like, yeah, I'll
1: uh, I'll throw this on and frozen right, part. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You have your three wound wizard who suddenly four wounds with damage reduction. It's pretty yeah, pretty nice, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was a really good design choice. Um, there probably could have been a lot of wizards who suddenly were really gross <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with both of those at the same time, but, yep. uh, no, they, they thought about it. I I'm almost hundred percent sure that that was intentional, like in the design of the two cards, they made them mm-hmm. not work together super well. Um, and I do really enjoy that. I, I, I think there is still a lot of play with frozen heart, but it is not, it's not super easy if you don't have frostworm cloak to like stack up a lot of ice counters outside of, uh, turning to these weird like attack, you know, weapons where normally you would put a weapon on a fighter who like doesn't have a good attack profile to begin with. But like, Mm -hmm. if you're trying to stack ice, you usually want it to be on like a big, strong fighter that you would want to use a lot. So yeah, sort of an interesting push pull. Yep. All right. Well, so those are sort of, I guess the four that kind of go together. I I think the last one that I'll say that is similar um, is the Everwinter staff Mm. in that it is your other tool for increasing wizard level. And uh, the important thing with this one is that it allows you to turn any fighter into a level two wizard um yeah. so you know that added redundancy for those one wizard war bands is pretty huge um i haven't really been able to even like fully build with this yet to think through like what does this unlock for you but i'm sure it does unlock something and i'm sure that it's pretty good i just haven't quite had the time to think through all of the possible options i think what helps is that just on
0: the card it's a fair enough attack action two range two smash two damage that's a that's a fine pickup especially the two range aspect of it uh give you the chance to do some good things even if you aren't you know even if the casting thing isn't immediately a benefit in that moment
1: yeah yeah, no, nobody's going to be too upset about a solid weapon. Yeah. So those are sort of the, I think, the core upgrades that you probably are reaching for right away. There's a few yeah. other sort of niche ones. Um, uh, I actually really like Chasm
0: Key. This is... is pretty uh, interesting. This is one that you're doing... Uh, first of all, it's an enormous key. Like, Kathy, <laughs> uh, Cal- Cal- yeah. I'm like, what door are you doing yeah. Uh She's... Actually, you look at the picture. She's like, she looks pretty, uh, pretty shell shocked. I think she maybe, (laughs) maybe accidentally uh, used the penumbral key on the waking gate, and now she's like, got key trauma that she's uh, experiencing. Looking at this thing, she woke that gate. (laughs) (laughs) uh, But the, uh, yeah, the chasm key. It's we've seen this. uh, If you're, you get a glory point at the end of the third action phase, and the caveats are either have an ice counter or be on a feature token. Those are pretty modest asks. Of, of you in this deck Very. and um when you are building a control build you are limiting the glory the other side gets and so even even a couple uh easy glory here like this um are are pretty important obviously if this comes out early it's a little bit of a problem uh, in that it's just not doing anything it's taking a space and your opponent knows who they have to knock out to deny this, but uh, it's it's sneaking a one glory and third end phase into your power deck instead of your objective deck. Yeah. Um, Which is yeah. not something to be overlooked for sure. Um, yeah. Early on when I was playing like back in season one and two, I thought I thought these cards were terrible. I was like, I why would I ever do this? And then <laughs> I was taught the
1: error of my ways by, by certain builds. So they, they have yeah. a lot of potential. Yeah. I think it was in the same vein of like, not quite understanding the power of holding objectives. Um, like these are very similar in the game style where it's like, I'm going to delay scoring, but it's still extra glory that I didn't have to roll dice to get. So yeah. um, pretty good. Uh, one thing that I just thought about, and I don't know who would do this, but like ice counters are not tokens. Tokens get cleared counters Mm -hmm. do not so if you have fighters you can resurrect they will keep their ice counters uh Uh. and so at least i'm pretty sure Uh, somebody call me out if i'm wrong but i'm pretty (laughs) sure that should work because like a raise counter is another type of counter and it sticks around uh so like the problem is I don't know which war band would want to take this deck that uses the revive mechanic, but if you find one that could do it well, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that could be a nice cheeky way to just be like, Oh, I'll, you know, get my chasm key person back and late in the game and grab some extra glory. Sure. Um, I do still think that it's, somewhat niche and that like you have to have a fighter that you know you're going to keep alive and have ice counters so like it it's pretty much a build around piece but if you're willing to like go down that road i definitely like it like if you're if you're going to have ice counters and try and build that way yeah pretty solid probably has a lot more value in nemesis than in championship um, uh maybe I
0: you know I think in championship far, um, you have the ability to like lean harder
1: into a, a full control build because you can reach for a couple things so I'm not sure I yeah I was thinking more of the like glory ceilings tend to be lower uh, uh and so, I like, see like that extra I get it really matters a lot sure um but yeah I, I I do agree that control aspect is easier in champs so time will tell I suppose as to which way it's easier to use but uh, still solid. Um, we've, we've already mentioned Blizzard Darts and ice Burn Blade. Um, I guess just to quickly say, they both give ice counters after you've made um, attack actions with these weapons. So they're your other way to stack um, ice. Blizzard Darts, I think, being the vastly superior option for just stacking ice because it is range 3 yeah um if if you're trying that control build you're
0: trying to you know do things without getting too far forward and committed then that feels
1: pretty good yeah it's three fury for one damage so like pretty standard ranged attack so not bad um and it can go on anyone ice burn blade uh it's a spell attack so i guess there's some niche build there where like hey i need extra spell casts and i need i mean i think that's it
0: is if you are because you have access to, you know, create more level twos and such. Uh, if you are trying to do that thing again, back to bitter storm and maybe other things, this is gives you another way to like maybe squeeze another spell or two off with somebody yeah. who didn't
1: already have a better option. Yeah. Um, so it it's a effectively, you know, smash two damage cleave sword, which is not bad it's it's on focus um so certainly not a bad weapon but um you know if i don't know that you reach for this unless you really want that extra spell attack right yeah yeah uh that only leaves two more again which <laughs> i guess at this here we point, are once again once once more i i like tried not to but hey you know there there's a lot of cool stuff going on here um I think of these two, I personally find Icy Glare to be the more interesting card. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll start there. This is a reaction uh, that you gain off of this upgrade. It says after an enemy fighter's move action that ends within two hexes of this fighter. If that fighter's player has more power cards in hand than you, that player discards one power card. Uh, It's pretty niche. Um, your opponent certainly knows that it's going to happen. I think Mm -hmm. that's maybe the best part about it is that it's like, it gives this two hex bubble to a fighter to be like, Hey, just remember if you end too close to me, you might have to discard a power card and I just have to like focus on that. Um, but I think ultimately what this will end up being some, a lot of the time is like either we had the same number of cards, so it just didn't matter. Or, I don't have to really care about that fighter. So I'm just going to ignore them. Um, or they had fewer cards because they just burned through their power hand and you couldn't. Um, and then it just never comes up. So uh, again, it's, it's similar to icy foreboding and like, Hey, we're reaching into this very different design space and we're doing it in a very tame way to like, I think intentionally be very careful. Um, sure. Sort of feels like to me anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think it was interesting. They could have made it, they specifically made it uh, end a move action rather than end yeah. an activation. Uh, by and large, that is weaker. It does have the weird, you know, like all said now, warbands that are doing multiple moves. Like if uh, if there is, uh, let's say, Kanan's Reapers who is trying to flood you with guys, you know, like, <laughs> hey, lose a power card, lose a power card, lose a power, until, you know, until you no longer have, uh more power cards than yeah
1: so yeah even the hands out which would be yeah certainly something um yeah not super strong i don't think but uh it'll certainly force some interesting decisions yeah
0: i like seeing it uh i've not it's not made the cut in anything i've built so far but yeah
1: yeah i think it's it's just not quite enough like it's not punishing enough that you're always going to take it. And it's not forwarding your game plan at all. Really? Like you've said yeah. about, uh, icy foreboding. So, um, hard to find a spot for it. Mm-hmm. And then the last power card here, this is a fun little callback. Uh, yeah. A-, a little blast from the past Tome of shattering. Uh, this is a cataphrane tome. It actually has the keyword. So if you're, you're, the relicking one person who plays relic. <laughs> uh You got another tome that you can put in your Molog tomes build. Although I don't think you would because you can't, it's restricted is, to a yeah, it's, it's literally, well, a high, well, you can, you, you can, yeah. Winter you could, staff and then yeah. <laughs> the build is there. It's yeah, happening. There you go. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all coming together. Now uh, this, this gives the fighter a spell action. It casts on focus If it's cast, you give this fighter an ice counter, which uh, I guess is something. But you then have to choose an enemy fighter within three hexes with one or more upgrades. And I think maybe that's the, the roughest part about this. And then you get to break one of that fighter's upgrades.
0: Yeah. You're, you're in the danger zone to be doing this in the first place. And so you have an opportunity cost. Is it more valuable to you to break an upgrade
1: and get nice counter than it is to just attack that fighter or move away? Absolutely. Um, like I feel like I often do this when I see a card where I'm like, man, it's like one step away from being like really usable and trying to think like, well, what if it did this? And I feel like maybe I shouldn't even go there, but like, what if it was break a fighters upgrade and deal one damage to them Ew, gross. Then all of a yeah. sudden it's like, <laughs> Hey, now we are, now we're cooking. We got something yeah. going here. Uh, like that would be great. And I think people would love to take the time to bother doing this. Um, but it doesn't do that. So we don't have to think about it. Um, as it stands, yeah. I don't think you really ever take this. Like,
0: maybe I, the ones I see it for, and I'm thinking about these control builds that I've I've done in the past, and they're more they're more tools to do it. But uh, a lot of times, somebody's stuck. Like, okay, I need to put movement boosts on this. You know, I'm going to tool up one fighter to go in with enough assets to start knocking down uh, the you know the the control player. And here you say, "All right, you came to me. Um, now that you're here, I'm going to strip off some of the stuff that's making you a threat, and then, you know, maybe maybe you dove and then put something to help defense on or something like that. You know, I'm going to strip that off. I'm going to get myself an ice counter. I'm going to get myself a cast. Progress towards the game plan, and then I'm coming back. I, I again, I think uh, it ends end up on the cutting room floor when I've been building." But I can picture a scenario where you maybe are just so aggressively in that realm that it could actually be handy. And particularly important, you can pick which upgrade is broken.
1: Yeah, that is probably the best part about this is that it's not... The opponent doesn't get to choose, you do. And that can yeah. be huge. Um, there's some really, really strong upgrades and breaking them could be very important. Yeah, um, I think I will just say for all of these control pieces, it is something to probably like keep an eye on in this space. Like if mm-hmm. we keep getting tools that work for control, uh, it could become a real thing. And suddenly it's like, Oh man, you really have to watch out for that fighter with icy glare and Tome of shattering, because all of a sudden like they're blowing up your upgrades and burning your power cards out of your hand. And like, it's right. just really hard to do anything against them if they have like solid enough defense and passive scoring. But yeah. Um I think as of right now I'm still I agree I think cutting room floor is where most of it ends up. Um, yeah. I guess that's an interesting like sort of one two punch where you
0: say hey I've got icy glare or what icy foreboding whatever it was yeah. uh yeah icy <laughs> foreboding. Um and you're like well to avoid this situation I'm going to play out my power cards early um and you're like okay well now that they're out I'm going to start breaking them with
1: this stuff like Yeah. Yeah, anyway interesting stuff uh probably a little too inefficient if we get like even one or two objectives that support something like this where it's like score if your opponent discarded a power card in the phase for one glory or something like even something as tame as that all of a sudden the value of all of this goes up a lot yeah um so again space to watch I'm I'm very interested to see what they do but I think it's yeah. a little too early to say for sure yeah sure oh well we did it we went through <laughs> all <laughs> we the upgrades talked about a lot so. of a lot of power cards every single one yeah. of the power cards which whoops uh. <laughs> uh,
0: but we, we said they were the they were the particularly interesting part of the deck uh, what uh, what
1: did you think of for pairings let's talk nemesis first. So I think the the place where my brain went first and I think the place where a lot of people go first is oh, I can just do a lot of the wizard stuff. And the easy choices for those are the multi-wizard warbands. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I can I can get my curse breakers out again. They can leverage a lot of this stuff. And they love, yeah. uh, you know, two glory for casting four spells when they have, innate spells on all their fighters that don't even require attack actions
0: yeah I, I played a game specifically with that build today and had uh, bitter storm in hand at the start and I cast three spells three spells and three spells and uh, yeah rounds. Uh, it just sometimes it'll happen like that <laughs> yeah uh, and and you know some of it was I I they they have good fighter. They have great fighters, and what they really love, they really love the um, armor of ice. So oh yeah. yeah, because you put that on one of the little guys, they go up to level two. They jump to two block, and guess what? When they're inspired, they uh, count both block and dodge as being successful. So good. So yeah, <laughs> so they get really tanky. They become a level two like man um really really handy uh pick up on that so that's that on its own is pretty great there's some other minor synergies like blizzard darts um you can farm Farm. ice with it and then they have uh i think it's lightning whip that's after you it's restricted to Amos and rastus where you after you deal damage with
1: an attack you can just do an extra point of damage um, which is pretty pretty good at range three Um, um yeah so i i actually like what they get from this a lot and it's a it's a different choice than the sort of obvious storm covenant Mm -hmm. flm because they're already doing all the spell stuff today it's like hey just keep doing what you've been doing guys yeah um
0: they have to pick pretty heavily from this deck though because they their objective deck is pretty it has some really shocking things in there there's like a one glory end phase for like all three of your fighters are alive and each have an upgrade. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> wow. Yeah, okay. It's pretty rough. Uh, so that's where I think every time I managed that build, I was like the last 25% of this feels pretty hinky. Like I'm, I'm like, I don't know if this um, is actually going to work. I,
1: uh, I think that is a war band. We'll, that really likes this in championship. Uh, oh yeah. You get more objective uh, choices and all of a sudden there, their whole world opens up for them. But yeah, I still think it, it brings them back into relevance for Nemesis, Yeah, sure, right? totally, like totally. You yeah. can at least play it. Yeah. Um, but then uh, you kind of get outside of the like very first th- things that pop into your head, and you're like, okay, well, what else could I do? Uh, Crimson Court, I think, is one that is interesting. They already start with two wizards. Uh, not amazing wizards, but if you can get their wizards to level two, some of the yep. stuff they do with their innate spells is pretty gross. Um, yep. What is what is it on Gorath? He like takes a wound a, off yeah, of a, a friendly transfer. fighter and puts one yep. on to an opposing fighter. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, and they actually have an in-faction
0: way to get to level two as well. So yeah. you, could, you could get yourself, you know,
1: three level twos there with the... Yeah, some uh, pretty tough bodies to go along with them. So, yeah. Some cool stuff. Uh, I don't know how I, well their objectives
0: support it. So I found their end phase felt fine. There, You could do stuff that uh, slotted fine. The surges is where it got really kind of uh, challenging. Yeah, I uh, believe that. Ran out of speed. They got a couple that are great, like spirited attempt. Hey, you attacked me and did some damage. And I'm alive. Cool. Like Sweet. that's a very controlly objective. But there were other <laughs> ones that were like, your whole war band is in enemy territory. Like, ooh, that's mm-hmm. not what I was thinking of. Yeah. So yeah, it just would take a little bit of a rethinking of what it, what you're using this deck for, because I've been doing the obvious thing, which is like, I'll try and do something where I can sit back and cast spells. And they may be a version of this where like, I will cast spells, but I will not be sitting back. I'm going to be flying forward.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, there's certainly a world where this can actually be a fairly aggressive spellcasting deck. Um, you know, taking things like bitter storm, break the ice, chill, the grave, cold blooded, um, And you're just like, I'm actually just pushing my wizards forward and they're going to just try and kill you with magic.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, I think the obvious choice that um, when I got done building Curse Breakers and Nemesis with this, I was like, well, why not just do Storm Coven? Uh, Yeah. I tried that. Um, Storm Coven also have that deal where almost, I mean, you know much better than I do, but a huge percentage of their end phases are, hey, are you holding something in enemy territory you're like sure oh, do. right uh so it it's uh those end phases for some engagement in a way that uh you can lean a little bit away from it with with this deck because it's got some things like cold of the void or winter's hunger can take some of the pressure off that but
1: yeah yeah i think in nemesis especially they are if they're taking this they're sort of being pulled in two different directions um but Man, uh, freeze, thaw, finish, final curse, and Abysos avalanche give them a lot of tools for suddenly oh, being yeah. pretty gross uh, for yeah. just like diving a fighter in once they're inspired and start yeah. slinging spells. So, yeah. I don't, I don't hate it, <laughs> but you know, I don't know if it's better than uh, their current options that they've already been running. And I think yeah, it's a good question. I'm not sure. You can. I mean, it's an interesting thing where you can get Domitan to two block in a way that he's not normally able to. True, yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot you get here. I think... Uh, well, might as well mention it now. Uh, this deck not being plot-locked means that for Championship, all of a sudden, Domitans I think especially get yeah. lots of tools. Um, yeah. You take this Seismic Shock and... Um, little bit out of daring delvers and all of a sudden you're like man what can't these guys do uh yeah and that's not always a good feeling but yeah (laughs) yeah uh they have
0: an upgrade as well that is uh particularly i mean it's helpful in general but i think it's particularly helpful for this deck Uh, I, you will probably know the name better than me. It,
1: uh, makes all your spells just count as if they needed channels instead. Yeah. Uh, it's like a spell book of some sort. I can't remember the exact, it's like some, it's named after some wizard or something. I think scrolls of the spell seeker maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds right. Uh,
0: and because this deck has so much stuff that is looking for focus, you're like, well, We'll just yeah. make those
1: that little bit easier, a little bit more reliable. Yeah, um, that's pretty nifty. Pretty, pretty good. I've really yeah. found that card to be quite powerful. Um, playing diamond hands before and like, yeah, man, yeah. I think you're right. You you can certainly turn that on for this, and it'll be very good. Um, one we haven't mentioned right as like a pairing, but I think we've kind of hinted at a couple of times with some of these cards is that. If you want something new to play with this, that's not those two wizard warbands thrice full discord. Yeah, totally. I think they really can build some sort of a control thing with this. Um, and I don't know if you have to even be all in on the spellcasting side of it, but you can be, um, that's pretty cool. I think they can go a lot of different ways with this deck. Um, yeah. I don't know. You've probably played it more than me, so <laughs> I, I've done that exact combination, and it, it
0: felt pretty good. Um, I I liked it a lot. I like being able to bring, um, being able to bring Vex more up to a level two. I liked being able to throw two block onto Lassevere. Uh There's a lot of interactions that are quite solid with this. Um, yeah, I think I think taking a warband that has control elements and mixing it with a universal rivals deck that has control elements, well, that's two great tastes that taste great together, oh, and yeah. you are ready to go. Um, and a- again, like championship, even pushes that that further. So, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's totally viable with them. I have this. I've not built it yet, but talking about the championship version, um, there is this spell uh option where you know because they've got um the cacophony you know they got two surges in faction for attempting to throw spells both of which are pretty darn reasonable yep um that makes it hard to not go that route but if you were to choose not to uh some of the gambit and upgrade control options here or even a few of the spells and then mix that in with toxic terrors um control options with some of the, yeah. uh, that we were talking about earlier with ill-prepared or freezing venom, um, can be, can be, uh, really reduce the options
1: available to the opponent. Yeah. I, I like it. I hope to see it. Um, I, I mean, it's one of those funny things where like, I know some people are like, man, not really being able to do much because I'm being, you know, control played. I I yeah. don't like that feeling. But it's like, I think that's pretty cool to see somebody with a game plan that's like, I'm going to make sure that you can't score glory and like just eke out enough to win. Um, I think that's like a pretty high level play. Like that's not something that just comes together automatically. You have to really know all the the matchups to make that happen. So I I do really love that design space and I think it rewards high level play. So um, I hope we see more of it. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily
0: strictly uh, an example of this, but uh, the the most recent game I tried out with Force of Frost, it was uh, Curse Breakers Force of Frost against uh, Thrice Fold with uh, Seismic Shock, actually. So it was a lot of casting back and mm-hmm. forth, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was like, oh, I forgot about this. Like we both thought we had the edge uh, on standoff uh and so it was like okay what might he be scoring like it 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 brought me back to some of those days of like really trying to get in your opponent's head because of exactly what you said like if i can deny one two glory objective that could be the edge and it was like i think the game got decided 10-8 at the end right uh with the last two points coming from uh chasm key and i i think the magical supremacy which is a curse breakers you cast two spells or whatever so, yeah um, but yeah like razor thin they get one more two glory objective and then we're down to tiebreakers so um, yeah I I, I I hope people find some enjoyment with that kind of play um,
1: and uh, I'm, I'm glad to see some options for it like seeping back in yeah absolutely not something we have talked a ton about. Um, But I think this deck helps a lot with champs. Um, I think it gives a lot of extra tools. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we'll see it sampled from for a lot of different decks. We're in a lot of different warbands. Um, And I I honestly have not tried to build a champs deck since the FAR was released, but I have to imagine... Uh, that there are some pieces here that f- fill those gaps. And um, that's always kind of cool uh, to find some of that new stuff. Um, I, I don't quite know exactly what it would be yet. Because <laughs> like I said, mm-hmm. I haven't really built the decks. The obvious things are like, hey, I'm going to build my m- really gross domitans Champs build. But yeah, um, like... I don't know. I look at stranglehold and think, hmm, can I fit this into a champs build for my stalkers? I think I probably can. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know yet because I haven't tried it. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, there's a lot of options. If if we're I kind of maybe the last question I want to ask about pairings and building. Uh, and it's tough because like we said, there's a lot of obviously we talked a ton about the magic and the control elements that are exist in the, in the power cards here, but given the objectives are kind of all over the place. Is there a particular plot locked deck that you see salting this in with? Like, you know, obviously we we talked about the non-plot lock stuff, like magic uh, seismic shocks got a lot that you're going to overlap with. Yeah. Uh, Control toxic terrors might have some of that, but Uh, when it comes to something that's plot locked what do you what do you see as being a a likely candidate
1: to pair up with so i guess i could actually see a fair number of things working pretty well with fearsome fortress although i'm not Mm -hmm. somebody who plays fearsome fortress a lot i think uh there's probably a decent amount of stuff that you could do um with like the combo of like stranglehold and then maybe using some of the ice stuff while you camp in the middle. Mm. Um, I think a lot of the fearsome fortress builds do enough fighting that they could run chill of the grave. Um, so I'm not hundred percent sure, but like that seems like it could work. And then um, you can probably make something work here with the void curse. Um, doing like a, Weirdo void curse control build where you're like, I'm gonna void curse this fighter and make sure they can't use range <laughs> attacks, and then I'm gonna up my defense, and then I'm gonna like freeze them to the spot, and like just have all these yeah. weird tools that kind of just turn the game on its head. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that one might be pretty fun to mess with. I don't know which warband you would use in that particular combo though, yeah. I think for me, what jumped out in the, possibly
0: the current meta is maybe a Daring Delvers. Um, if you've got the restricted space, then uh, picking up Sudden Demise with all the, all the pings that you're going to have access to is uh, yeah. a big deal. And then um, Daring Delvers is the one that's got uh, nine lives on it, yep. um, which if you've got somebody you're trying to keep alive till the end of the game, then that's uh, that's an important one um can certainly
1: be handy um
0: yeah uh i you know it's tough to say whether you will spring for it but and then also obviously like uh add add on top
1: of whatever spell pings you got quick roots quick roots on top of frozen to the spot on top of freezing thought finish on top (laughs) of (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah, it's a lot it's a lot you get there um yeah yeah i don't know there's there's a lot here um lots to like and very flexible so uh, excited to see what people do if you've got a fun build with this uh, let us know mm-hmm. um, I I am excited to start building with this one I am still disappointed that boxes are not on shelves yet uh, <laughs> but we'll get there we'll get there it'll yep. be fine
0: yeah uh, I, I did have a lot of fun building with this I, I need to branch out a little bit I kind of did multiple iterations of the same. Like, what if it's magic with these guys or magic with these guys or magic with these guys? And <laughs> I've, I've talked about like the possibility of like non magic stuff. I need to dip into that. Yeah. A so give it a try. See, what's there. see how it yep. works. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. But I think that's going to about cover it. Um, so. Is there
1: anything else we wanted to touch on before we close things out? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I will say just as an aside, I really love the art for all these cards. Mm, uh, yep, I agree. The aesthetic for this season in general, like the boards and the tokens and stuff are really cool uh, for people who haven't seen them in person yet. And I think this card art does a great job of fitting into that aesthetic. Mm, yeah, totally. Well, all right, that will do
0: it for us. Uh, you can talk to us on our Discord or if you want to send us an email, whatthehexcast at gmail.com. Uh, on the site formerly known as Twitter, at WTHCast. You can check out all our content at themortalrealms.com. That's where you would go to see any of our blog entries or any of the content from the other podcasts on our network. Uh, We should say thanks to The Mortal Realms for having us on that network. And we should also say thanks to GW for the uh, preview copy to uh, help us get some of those extra reps in. Uh, early on. Uh, that will conclude, as I said, at the start, it will conclude our run of mini-sodes. Uh, and by mini-sodes, I mean just regular episodes that are coming more frequently. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, we'll be returning to our, uh, once every two weeks schedule and we're going to kind of huddle up and figure out what the next one's going to be. We got a couple possibilities. Um, we're talking deck builds or, uh, bat reps or uh, or even talking about rotation, we have that thing. So if there are any Harrow Deep Era cards or interactions that you're sad to see or glad to see go, you can let us know. and We'll uh, talk about those. Uh, We've got our final segments here, Phil. Flavor Text Quiz. You ready for it? Uh, as ready as I'll ever be. Okay, This <laughs> one is a quote by Doraz Giant Fell. Kalthia, uh,
1: are you alright? Oh, it's uh, interesting that you mentioned this one because when you mentioned the art for it, I I pulled it up to look at it because I (laughs) couldn't remember what you were talking about. Uh, And this is the chasm key. It is, yeah. She, yeah. I I think I didn't (laughs) notice that that quote like linked with the
0: art so well. Like, I was like, when I first saw the art, I'm like, oh, they just kind of made her look weird. I'm like, no, that was intentional, I guess. Yeah, she is
1: very enthralled by that key.
0: Yeah, maybe it's taken her back to, you know, to some of the previous seasons. But... Uh, all right. Well, for your recommended listening, I'm, I'm going to give a nod to the, the, uh, metal inclinations of my other co-hosts here. <laughs> we'll go with, uh, Celtic Frost, uh, a dying God coming into human flesh and that'll do it for what the heck. I've been Davey and I've been Phil. So I think it was only his second game with, uh, this particular build of the thrice fold and, uh, seismic shock. Uh, and so that combined with like the real tough decisions that control puts on you, like <laughs> at one point he was like, I kind of have analysis paralysis right now. I'm like, I, I can tell <laughs> we've been, we've been sitting waiting to decide who goes first in this, uh, second round for, uh, a, probably a good five or six minutes at this point, (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I'm probably exaggerating, but I I remember I was sitting there. I was like, I, 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 everyone's walking. I'm like, uh, so it's your choice. And he's like, yep. Yep. I'm thinking I was like, okay, I was kind of hoping that, uh, we couldn't hear each other or something. And that was why, all right, carry on. Uh,